Grace is supposed to get us out of darkness, not make us comfortable in it. And that is today's Morning Moxie. Welcome to the Morning Moxie Show. I am your host, Alicia Sharp, and today on the show we have Rice Brooks. And Rice Brooks is a man who actually, if you've ever heard or seen the movies God's Not Dead or God's Not Dead 2, he actually inspired those movies with his book uh, titled God's Not Dead. And um, he's just really a really smart man that he, he talks a lot about uh, sharing your faith and just living your faith. And this particular message is talking about how to win over sin. You know, so many times in Christian circles, we just hear, oh, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And you know what? When Jesus saved us, we are no longer slaves to sin. So we are no longer identified as a sinner. We are set free from sin. That doesn't mean that we're not going to struggle or sin every now and then or often or whatever, but we are not identified. And he calls us to be overcomers of sin. And we can live a life full of Christ, full of the Holy Spirit, and see God move powerfully in and through our lives. This is a, this will be part one of a three-part message by Dr. Rice Brooks, and here he is. Uh, the phrase, as I pondered this, came to me, and it was actually a phrase that's been used before, about winning over sin. This may seem to be a diversion from the topic, but it is very germane and very much in line with, with understanding the things that block our vision from that which should be obvious. I mean, I don't know of anything more obvious than there is a creator of the universe, more obvious than the Christian gospel, but yet the Bible says the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they cannot see the light of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So something is obstructing the view. There is nothing that you could define as an obstruction more simply and more succinctly than the word sin. It is that which has, from the beginning, stopped uh, not only our relationship with God and blocked it, but blocked our relationship with one another. And so, for me, as a guy kind of growing up in church in the, in the sense of having to go, made to go to Sunday school, made to sit there, uh, learned to not like it very early, and to think I had escaped from that duty of going to church when I got to college only to be confronted with something that completely changed my mind and that not only brought me to faith in Christ, but my entire family, including my atheist brother in law school who came home to talk me out of my Christian faith in the third year, and we baptized him that weekend. Uh, but the thing that caused me to change was hearing somebody in my income tax class at Mississippi State University accounting major, hearing them talking about victory in Christ and winning over sin. I mean, I never thought that you could win when it came to the spiritual life. I thought that Christians came together and celebrated the fact that they couldn't really do what Jesus had told them to do. So what's the point? I mean, this is what Minister Farrakhan in the Nation of Islam has peddled for years, saying that somehow Christianity preaches a doctrine of defeat. And he says, men don't respond to that. And he's right in that sense. If you lose long enough at anything, you'll quit. And so God is not a God of defeat. He did not call us into defeat. 
And so I'm going to take a little bit of a tour for just a moment. In the, in the next, I've got a few extra minutes in this service. And then I'm going to take a cue from Pastor James and upgrade myself to a five-minute bonus session. <laughs> Pastor James is going to say, now, don't go over time. Don't go over time. And that scripture comes to me. Why do you put a yoke on me that you yourself can't bear? <laughs> But you know what? Hallelujah. Look at, so we're going to go to two passages, Romans 6, and then we're going to end up in James chapter 1. But I, I don't have time to, to go into what I would like to say in Romans 6, but I don't have time to not at least read this. So Romans 6, verse 1. How shall we say then? What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We are, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in the death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body, of, the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So now you're going to hear this phrase throughout the New Testament, but basically the New Testament picture is an old self and a new self. And so the old self is that which Ephesians says is corrupted in the lust of the flesh and desires. And what many times religion tries to do is say, well, let's try to see what the old self likes to do. What are the appetites? What are the fleshly proclivities? And then we try to say, well, I believe in God, but I should still allow what my nature is to express itself. So people say, well, you know, so-and-so was born this way, or maybe you're born that way. But the biblical picture is not trying to sort out the old self and how it was born. And that's why we are born again. There's a new life. And now there's a new self with new desires and new stuff. So everybody's trying to quibble over what the flesh should or shouldn't be allowed to do. And the New Testament picture is it's supposed to die. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And he says, if we have died with him and, and, and we have been crucified with him, in essence, spiritually speaking, we'll be raised up. So if you're not free, then maybe there's not been the total surrender. And that's what this death is all about. And that's what Romans 6 is talking about. That's why we're going to read it real slow, even though I don't have to comment on everything, but we're going to just stare at it. <laughs> so that the body of sin, ruled by sin, might be done away with, verse, I'll keep going, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been free, set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Yeah. Keep going. Verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself. Say every part. Every part, every part of yourself 
to him as an instrument of righteousness. For here it comes. Verse 14. For sin shall no longer be your master. Because you were not under the law, but under grace. Now let me repeat that. We are in the New Testament. Bible. Leather bound. Holy Bible. Somebody said, where is he? What translation is he reading from? It's in every translation. The King James says, you sin will have no more dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but under grace. You see, we fry that up in the South to say this way. Well, grace doesn't grace just mean sin doesn't matter anymore to God. Sin doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Sin still destroys you. It still destroys your soul, still kills your marriage, still destroys uh, everything around you. So there's nothing good about sin. And yet grace has been perverted into that which somehow means we don't really have to be bothered with it anymore. But the real grace of God that's taught in the New Testament says it's actually God's divine nature. It's not just God's unmerited favor, but it's God's very nature indwelling in you. That's why it says Jesus, when he walked on the earth, was full of grace and truth. There was something running through him, something inside of him, that now we could be partakers of grace with him. We're going to find out how you do that when we get to James 1. Sin will no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. So somehow grace is supposed to get us out of darkness, not make us comfortable in it. What then? Verse 15. I'm just going to probably end up in Revelation. I'm enjoying this so much. Just so hang on. What then? Shall, shall, sin, shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves of sin, you used to be, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance so whatever claims your allegiance, you can find something you say, that's my, that's my teacher. That's my main man. That's my woman. That's, that's, the, that's the teacher I listen to. We always want to find our favorite preachers and teachers. Oh, oh, I believe just what they say. But if that allegiance that you've given yourself to hasn't freed you, you may need to change. It says... that He says, when you were slaves to sin, which he says... You, you're either slave one or the other, or to obedience which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves of sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. Verse 18, you have been set free from sin and become, have become slaves to righteousness. Now just reading that, as we'll see in a minute, just reading that, has, you've, you've got to deal with that. You have to deal with that. Tragically, most that really need to deal with that aren't even here. But even more so, if you're here, let's, let's see, I'm, I'm really tired of people that have, quote, been Christians for years, whether they're celebrities or this, and all of a sudden one day, they're just gone. They just fall through the roof. And they do things that you don't understand. They, do, they, they leave their marriages. They, they, take, they discard their commitments. They do behavior, and you think, what happened? It looks so good on the surface. 
That was Dr. Rice Brooks, and you can find that clip on YouTube if you search under Rice Brooks, How to Win Over Sin. You can also find out more information about him at his website, ricebrooks.com. And that is all I have for you today. I hope you have an amazing day. Please rate, review this podcast, and share it with your friends to encourage everyone around you. And I will see you again tomorrow. God bless.